They actually seem to believe that we don't know what they're doing and what their game plan is, but we do. And we're pissed because it's been our work, it's been our treasure, our blood that's done everything positive America has ever done. It's been its citizens. It hasn't been a bunch of elitist thugs who are parasites on the very system they seek to destroy. They call us deplorables, insurrectionists, domestic terrorists, even as they allow deadly drugs and countless numbers of people wanting to destroy us across our borders, even as they push vaccines that kill our children and imprison real American patriots and commit treason many times over. While we Americans are unlike any people tyrants have faced before, we know our rights, we demand our freedom and liberty, and we demand the servants of the people learn their place. Yes, indeed we do. Welcome to the Patriot Review. I am your host, as you know, obviously, because I'm sitting here talking to you. Happy Friday. I hope you have some coffee, or maybe you've had a few cups already. You get your moving on the last day of the work week, and I hope you're looking forward to a great weekend ahead. We have lots to cover today, so I'll get right into it here with some of the stories. Uh, okay, so we have disinformation campaign uses fake obituaries to hide possible vaccine deaths. How much more evil can you get? Mass disinformation campaign using fake obituaries to conceal possible vaccine-related deaths was discovered last week by physician Dr. William Makis, uh, MD, obviously. Instances of young, healthy people suddenly dying. How many times have you heard that? Died suddenly, right? Uh, excellent documentary, by the way, Died Suddenly. It's on my homepage at redbloodedpatriots.com if you haven't seen it yet. Um, it's a really good one. Um, sad, of course, but... Uh, so, so anyways, what they're doing here is they are putting out false information, misinformation on the cause of death for people. So it's saying that, uh, so instances of young, healthy people suddenly dying, mysterious deaths from cardiac events or from blood clots having been have been increasing. We know that for a fact, and it's been many, many fold. And uh, health experts, so-called experts, have been scrambling to suggest causes other than COVID-19 mRNA injections. Proposed causes include <laughs> blow-drying, drinking coffee or tea, uh, coughing, not vaccinating or masking enough, the sound of an airplane overhead, shoveling snow, skipping breakfast, postal codes, paychecks, parents, climate change, loneliness, sleeping positions, soil, and others. Dr. Makis found that for many of these mysterious deaths, obituaries have been created which claim the victims died in car crashes. These articles appear on Google searches for the victims' names and are published on unusual blogs and websites. Frontline News discovered that many of the sites were published in 2021 or later, and then they give you some examples. There's a young lady, uh, Trinidad influencer Samara Maloney, for example, died last month from a sudden brain aneurysm, but an article published on a Vietnamese website, uh, it claims that she, and it's been posted several times, was tragically extinguished in a car accident. That's what the quote is. Uh, another one, Reed Ryan, 22-year-old football player who played for the University of Minnesota Duluth, died unexpectedly on November 28th from a cardiac arrest during practice. Again, an article on the same website said he died in a car crash. Uh, Dr. Jason Tappan, a 53-year-old, an emergency doctor, a U.S. Navy veteran from Virginia, died suddenly November 8th 
His cause of death was not disclosed. And again, on this site, uh, it said that he was driving a Toyota Camry uh, and collided with an F-150, and both, both vehicles burst into flames. And there's other examples here, but what's happening here is that they're populating the web with lies as, as to the cause of death. So when people search those names, if they're ever brought up as a death directly attributed to the COVID vaccine, that this type of information, this misinformation will populate your search results, which really is, I mean, it's already evil. The fact that they've done this and did, have done this on purpose, this genocidal uh, bioweapon called a vaccine, but uh, it's even it's even sicker when you have to cover things up deliberately by lying to to uh, the citizens of the world, basically. So, and meanwhile, you know what is our current regime concerned with? Well, they're concerned with pledging three billion dollars to address climate change and promote gender equity overseas. That's right. We don't have enough debt in this country. We don't have enough going on in this country that really deserves the attention. And uh, in a way, I'm kind of grateful that this this regime is not messing up any more than they already are, which is tragic. But, um, you know, in a way, it's a good thing to keep them occupied. But it's not a good thing to spend taxpayer dollars for something like this. So the Biden administration said it's going to spend $3 billion to help less developed economies address the impact of climate change including more than $400 million to advance gender equity. You know what this is, folks? This is a money laundering uh, project to enrich themselves. That's what that is. Meanwhile, Trump gets a huge court victory in um, Arizona. So Arizona, Arizona has rejected the case, questioning former President Donald Trump's qualification to run for president. What a flippin' joke. We had the never-held-a-job-in-his-life community organizer Barack Obama, then we have the lifetime uh, politician Joe Biden, and compared to Donald Trump, who, let's see, he brought peace to the Middle East, he didn't start any new wars, he uh, had the best economy in our nation's history, yeah, he's the one that's not qualified. Right. Biden campaign dodges debate question and potential sign of what's to come. In this case, Joe Biden's campaign is not yet committing to general election debates next year. The latest sign, the latest sign that a staple of modern White House campaigns may not be in play in 2024. Uh, so Quentin Folks, Biden's top deputy campaign manager, told reporters on Wednesday that the president's re-election campaign would look at the schedule. <laughs> that the nonpartisan commission on presidential debates released last month well it's probably important to look at the schedule when the the uh the the president i guess i'll say the resident um has a sleep schedule from you know 7 p.m. to 11:30 a.m. and you have just so many hours usually about 4 that he's actually capable of staying awake and doing something. Um, so it's probably pretty hard to schedule these things, right? Got to jack him up on whatever it is they inject into him to keep him moving. We will uh, have those conversations, folks said at a Democratic news conference on at Wednesday's Republican presidential primary debate site in Alabama. 
But right now, folks said our focus is on making sure we continue to build out a campaign and infrastructure that's going to be able to be competitive in 2024. Uh, <laughs> right, right, competitive. This guy has the, the the lowest approval rating in history. He is only given approval by people who have absolutely no clue on uh, where to locate the state of New York, for example, on the globe. Uh, these are people who really don't pay any particular attention, but they believe that Democrats are, you know, the champions of uh, the downtrodden, which our history has shown is quite the opposite. They are the obstructionists. They are the racists. They are the segregators. They are people who, who never uh, really do anything for the American people. And, you know, the Republican Party isn't so great either. All right, blockbuster list of Trump's potential cabinet has Dems raging. Well, this is because Trump made a statement about um, about retribution. And you know what? I don't blame him. And he talks about, uh, you know, Carrie Lake and Marjorie Taylor Greene, J.D. Vance. Um, and then there's others that, uh, you know, Bannon and, and those folks that, of course, the people on the left hate. So that's... Um, that's just what all that's about, and uh, it's rather transparent, I would think. CNN guest catches uh, host selectively editing Trump clip to fit agenda. CNN proudly not letting facts get in the way of anything regarding Donald Trump since 2015. On Tuesday, the former president and current 2024 Republican frontrunner appeared on Fox News for a town hall with Sean Hannity, in which he made a comment, a comment that establishment media jumped on said, if Joe Biden had made it, of course, every headline would start with the conservative media pounds. The remark came as Hannity asked Trump about media claims that he would abuse the power of the presidency if he had won a second term. Let's listen to this short clip. I see what the media is doing now. I put a montage together. Yeah. They want to call you a dictator. You use the words, I am your retribution. And now before that, you said if you've been wronged and you used other words as well. But I want to be very, very clear on this. To be clear, do you in any way have any plans whatsoever, if reelected president, to abuse power, to break the law, to use the government to go after people? You mean like they're using right now. So in the history of our country, what's happened to us again has never happened before over nonsense, over nothing, made up charges. I often say Al Capone, he was one of the greatest of all time, if you like criminals. He was a mob boss, the likes of which Scarface, they call him. And he got indicted once. I got indicted four times. Hey, Sean Hannity here. Hey. So there you have it. Um, we are going to go. Alert breaking tonight. We're going to go. That's about uh, the indictment. We're going to go um, on a short break here, and then I have a very special guest for you, Brian Nichols, who addresses what to do in arguments, whether political or otherwise, to sell liberty. And uh, we all have, obviously, those times we have friends or family that uh, we get into debates with and it can kind of get heated. So we're going to talk about that, how to, uh, how to address those individuals and sell liberty. We'll be right back after this.
after we watched our daughter Grace die on FaceTime, I uh, immediately felt that I needed to go to the hospital, though I was still pretty sick. And I met Jessica and our pastor there. And um, while we were in the room, we, Jessica and I let us spend a few moments just with Grace alone. And it was, it was just a horrific um, sight to come upon us. Our daughter Grace was now gone. Um, the emotions that came over the top of our minds and just our physical bodies were just unbelief. We, uh, we took her BiPAP off because it was still on. This was hope and prayers that somehow she wasn't really gone. And as soon as we did that, the color of grace changed. And um, we had to accept that she was truly gone. person step foot in that room. How can you do that? How can you allow an innocent person, a child, she's only 19 years old, die in front of your eyes? You don't do that. If you're human, you don't do that. They knew they weren't going to convince us to put Grace on a ventilator. That means the money was going to dry up. They had to have the money. And when you follow the money trail all the way through, you see that a ventilator is about a $300,000 decision. That they had higher paying patients in the emergency room. Grace was worth more dead than alive. We don't just need food, we need to eat food with a high nutritional value. Who wants to just survive food shortages? Let's thrive in times of adversity and lack. Optimize your daily nutrition and ensure you and your family have our two-year shelf-stable kingdom fuel as a cornerstone of your emergency food supply. Don't sacrifice your health or your taste buds. Stock up on kingdom fuel now. Ignore the thought police and subscribe or follow the Patriot Review. It's your patriotic duty. All right, if you want to get your hands on some Kingdom Fuel, you can go to Sherwood.tv slash TPR. That's Sherwood.tv slash TPR. If you haven't seen the documentary of mine yet called Breaking the Oath, you can check that out. Watch it for free at uh, redbloodedpatriots.com. Or you can go to the documentary site, which is America First Productions, America the number one ST Productions.com. And again, watch it for free. There's a director's edition with extended interviews that you could purchase if you so choose. Use America First as a coupon code, the number one again in there, and you can get 10 bucks off. All right. So we have a very special guest here for you today. That is Mr. Brian Nichols. Welcome, Brian. I hope you can hear me okay. How are you doing sure today? Can Jeff. I'm doing good. How are you? I am awesome. Thank you, sir. 
Good to so, hear. Awesome. I like it. I love the energy on a Friday. <laughs> hey, it's Friday, right? That's right. You, you, you have to be awesome on Friday. It's the law, right? It's the law. That's so, right. <laughs> well, welcome, Brian. It's a pleasure to have you here. And you have a topic that um, I think many, many people will be interested in. And we all go through, especially on holidays, just, just got over Thanksgiving, you know. And in my family, like many families, you have people that are diametrically opposed on the political uh, sphere, you know, and um, those discussions sometimes come up and sometimes they get kind of nasty and heated, don't they? So uh, so let's talk about that. Now, you've got a couple books out. You've got your website that I'll show in a little bit here. But um, you've been you've been uh, kind of attacking this whole angle, this whole thing from a different angle, from more of a sales and marketing type angle. So what does that look like exactly? And, you know, first of all, what even got got you to this point where you had this idea in your head? Great. Let's question. start with that. Yeah, no, great question, Jeff. Um, well, first of all, thank you for having me on the show today and uh, really looking forward to kind of walking through why I've taken this approach to addressing how we not just message and communicate our ideas, but effectively sell our ideas. Right. To your right. average person. So you mentioned the two ebooks I wrote. The first one, which came out in 2021, was Four Easy Steps, How to Sell Liberty to Friends and Family, right? That was the focus <laughs> because when you look at who do we have the most immediate impact over, it's not some random person on social media that's reading a comment of yours, but rather the people that are in your immediate circle. So let's address the elephant in the room. Let's talk to the people we can actually influence without having to spend too much energy and effort. So with that, though, it requires us to take what I, I consider to be a missing piece in the way we communicate our ideas in the, in the world of politics, and that is using what we know works in the business world as it pertains to sales and marketing and bringing that to the political world. So when we, we talk about selling liberty or selling our ideas to friends and family, I like to say it's important to first start out with meeting people where they're at specifically on the issues they care about, not what you care about, not what you think they should care about, but truly understand what makes the person you're speaking to tick, what drives them, what is the main issue that keeps them up at night, and then being able to have a, a genuine, true conversation with them to not just walk through the problem, but then to start offering solutions. And it's not a left, right, center solution. It's a solution that just makes sense. And if we can get away from the the back and forth, who did you vote for, Trump or Biden? And then having <laughs> the the inevitable clashing over the dinner table at your, your holiday get together. Instead, you're talking about problems and bringing real solutions to the table that are outside of the political conversation. It's much more healthy. It's much more productive. And it's much more conducive for us to have a productive dialogue versus the inevitable throwing of food at the dinner table. <laughs> Well, that is certainly that cer certainly should be everybody's goal. So I think step one of what what uh, you're saying there sounds like, uh, shut up and listen a little bit, so you better understand who you're talking to. Is that Amen. fair? Amen. Shut up and listen. That's if if not the first thing you should do. It's a, at least the second, right? Is the first maybe ask that question, then shut up and listen. Um, but we are so quick to tell people what we think they should be concerned about or why they have a specific problem instead of just hearing what they have to say. That's a great point. Um, and that's a point that needs to be, I think, brought out in, in maybe you have some terms of, hey, here's how we're going to discuss politics, you know, 
So uh, there's a couple things that need to be talked about that, you know, it's almost taboo in our society to talk about today, and that is religion and politics. Mm -hmm. Those two things which should be of primary importance in family discussions because they impact your life the most, um, you know, seem to be left by the wayside in, in favor of a more secular and really truly meaningless uh, life, lifestyle discussions and, and, and some of those things that, you know, they really aren't important when you think about it. And, you know, you said it yourself that these are the people that are in your kind of sphere of influence. They also should be the people who are the most important, the most focused on, right? These are the people that really should matter. And um, maybe we spend too much time trying to convince people on social media and just, you know, that's, I, I have a, a friend who, gets into arguments on social media and my comment is always why mm. what's what's the point because you're not going to convince anybody right yep. and you're there's no skin in the game there nobody you know unless it's somebody that's a friend of yours right well so, let, let's take it a step further you you hit the nail on the head there jeff you said maybe we're spending time talking to people that just not really worth our time and that right there speaks to where we in the world of politics have done such a bad job is that we think that if we have the best arguments, the best ideas, and the best way to position those ideas, that we can convince anybody from a centrist all the way to a devote communist that, oh, I was wrong. I have to go on board with these new ideas. But that's not how it works. I, in my, my day job, I'm in the world of telecommunications, contact center solutions. And believe it or not, I don't go out and try to pitch my solution to my competition. Why? Because they're actively selling against me. What I like to do is go towards the people who are actively and openly shopping for a solution or actively and openly admit they have a problem that my solution can help solve. And going through and addressing those areas versus just trying to convince somebody that they're wrong is much more conducive to a productive conversation. Because now what I'm able to do is not only have a really deep dive into what's bothering them, what are the main drivers of those problems, and specifically how can my solution help solve those problems, but I know I'm speaking to someone who is in what we call in the sales world a buying mode, right? They are in a buying process right now. They're going through whatever the buying phase means. Maybe they're in the discovery phase where they're just kind of learning some of this stuff. They're trying to figure things out or maybe they've done a little bit of that groundwork and now they're a little bit deeper into the rabbit hole. Maybe they're in what we call like the the, the contracts uh, standpoint or the negotiation standpoint. They're, They're wanting to understand more about what it is that we're bringing to the table for a solution. But we know at the very least that they're in a buying decision. And at the end of the day, what's that buying decision? It's gonna be casting a vote for our team, our candidate, our party. Or down the road, or maybe sooner rather than later, turning into an advocate for ideas, right? That's kind of the two ways that selling your ideas could go. So you have to be able to understand, though, that not everybody is in your, your buying market. Not everybody is open to hearing your solution because they might not see they have a problem, number one, or number two, they might not believe in your solution and it might actually be supporting your competitor. And it on us not to waste our time going after people who are actively using our competition and actively promoting our competition. It, if anything, it wastes our time from going after the people who actually might be on board with our ideas. Well, let's uh, let's pick that apart a little bit. So, so I love the first of all. I think it's ingenious to you know talk about kind of the phases of the sell. All right, I mean you're talking about from a marketing and sales standpoint and and 
kind of deciding where people are at in this really is this negotiation of ideas, right? right? And whether or not they're going to buy your product or buy your ideas. So my number one question is, how do you get over the hurdle of past perception? So you've already had many arguments. You've already had, you know, damage done to your relationships. And how do you how do you turn that around as a as a matter of getting them to the buying mode if they're if they're in the defensive mode, right? Mm. If they're in the I'm not buying this crap mode. How do you turn that around? Yeah, empathy. Empathy, giving people the opportunity to be wrong, right? And and uh, helping people see things that they can't unsee. So there are universal truths. There are, and, and by the way, there are things in, in the world of sales we like to, to kind of teach to help be more successful. And one of the things I like to teach my sales team is don't tell them, show them. And if you can show somebody something, and it makes it much more tangible. So, for example, right, let's let's look at, you know, Joe Biden or name your favorite Democratic uh, candidate or politician. You know, th maybe they're they're more uh, warm and receptive towards that candidate, towards that politician. You can just say, hey, did you hear about what candidate here or politician here said about this really important topic or issue? I know this person cares about. And they're going to say they didn't say that. Oh, no, don't no, check this out. And then just show the video, show the video, let them hear yeah. the, their own right. words. And let them see it, because once they see it, they can't unsee it. It's one thing for you to tell them that. It's another thing for you to show them that, and they can see it with their own eyes. That's diffusing. But kind of going back to the first thing you raised up there, Jeff, is like, how do we, how do we, right, in, in the selling mode, try to diffuse buyers to, to actually have a conversation? And it's first to under, understand, why are they defensive? What, what have they heard about our solutions, our ideas? That are putting them into an area where they're, you know, they're they're putting the defenses up, they're putting the walls up. We have to first understand what that is because if we don't isolate and address that objection, which in the world of sales, that's all that is, right? It's an objection. Right, if we don't right. deal with that objection, I guarantee that down the road that objection is going to pop back up because you haven't gone out of your way to identify, isolate, and overcome that objection. So we have to to understand first how our, our prospect got to where they are. In this case, why is your friend or family member upset or defensive at your ideas? Understanding that first is important. But if we understand that, oh, they're against our ideas because they read 14 com, uh, you know, communist books and they're like all on board with this stuff. Okay, maybe <laughs> right. that's not worth my time than trying to convince them otherwise or sell them right. my yeah, ideas. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. I got to take a quick break here for three minutes. If you would mute yourself, otherwise we'll hear you swearing in the background. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I, I also want you to think about this over the break and, and let me know what you think. I, I very strongly, very firmly believe that the left tends to tends to pick sides, make decisions based on emo emotion, and the right the right side tends to do it on on factual evidence. And there's a there's a disconnect there. And I want to talk to you about that when we come back. Here. Sure will. Yep.
American Patriots. It's me, Wayne Alaroot, otherwise known as War. I have a very special announcement for all of you. My hit show, Wayne Alaroot, Raw and Unfiltered, is coming to the brand new station that's taking over the nation, Blessed News Network. God has opened a door in my life to be part of this amazing new Christian conservative network live every night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on our channel on Roku TV, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, and streaming live on the Blessed News iPhone and Android apps. Tune in to watch me drive home the truth and dismantle the fake news narrative with big name nightly guests and exclusive interviews with all the heavy hitters you know and love. Become part of history as we make America godly again and launch the first faith-centered conservative broadcasting network where Jesus Christ is commander-in-chief of all of our stories and where truth and integrity really matter. Join me Monday through Friday on any of our platforms or on the Blessed News website, blessed.news, where you can stream all the shows for free or you can sign up for Blessed Plus for even more access to Raw and Unfiltered with me, Wayne Allen Root, the hardest work a man in show business. Thank you, and God bless America. Steel News will be joining the Blessed News Network 11 p.m. weeknights. I'm Ann Vanderstill, and I'm very excited to be a part of the programming put together by Jake Lang. Doesn't matter if he's behind bars. He's a January 6th political hero, as far as I'm concerned. And Steel News will be reporting the truth of everything happening, not only in the swamp, but around the world to help you put into context what's really going on so you can make the best decisions for you and your family. Steel News, 11 p.m. on the Blessed News Network. All right, we're back with Brian Nichols. He has a website. He does his own show. The website is briannicholsshow.com. briannicholsshow.com. I have it up on the screen right now, folks, so you can check that out. That's what it looks like. If you're somewhere else, you're in the wrong place. So it's briannicholsshow.com. Go there, check it out. There's a lot of information there. I perused it uh, a little earlier and getting prepared for the show today. It looks like a nice site. So we were talking about the... Obviously, you know the whole the whole idea of really coming at discussions or debates about political topics with family and friends from a more strategic and kind of a marketing standpoint. And and we made a couple points about number one is finding out what they care about and and listening to what they care about, why they care about it, right? And and what and I would say also what they hope to uh, have happen as a result to benefit in some way. But so. <laughs> Before we went to break, I said, you know, it seems to me that uh, the liberal side of the aisle is is more concerned about emotions. They're, they're more tapped into emotions, and the right side is more tapped into factual information within arguments. Uh, that's my uh, impression. I don't know what yours is, but I, I, I just want to get, uh, you know, the, the whole emotional component. How do you deal with somebody that's more emotional and really not as factual. Yep, this is the whole Ben Shapiro facts don't care about your feelings thing, right? And uh, when you talk about emotions, facts, logic, uh, reason, all that fun stuff, yeah, it, it all plays a role actually in a buying decision. But here's the thing, and, and you, you hit the nail on the head there, Jeff, like the left is absolutely more emotionally in tune and the right is absolutely more focused on facts, figure, logic, and reason. But in sales, you need both. Right. So when you're making a buying decision, right, so we're going to put ourselves in the shoes of a buyer, you are making that buying decision, not on facts and figures. You're making that buying decision on an emotional reaction. 
I'm going to say that again. You are making your right. buying decision on an emotional reaction. But what we do afterwards is we justify, we validate that buying decision and that emotional reaction with what you said earlier, facts, figure, logic, and reason, right? So when we're trying to make the pitch, make the sale to someone who's maybe, I'm, I'm going to say not politically left, uh, but more in that center, we have to mm -hmm. understand that just by the very nature of them being a living, breathing human being, that they will inevitably make a buying decision based on some type of emotion. So we have an obligation to understand the implications of our facts, figures, logic, and reason as it pertains to the emotional outcome, right? So we're not selling sure. facts and features and benefits, but what we're selling is outcomes. So what we wanna do, and I, I teach this to my sales team when we're doing outbound sales, is you're, you're painting a picture and you're building a bridge, right? So imagine you have a picture you're, you're, you're painting and on one side of your picture, you have a cliff. On the other side, you have a cliff. You have to help connect that cliff to the other cliff by building a bridge. And that bridge is now opening up an opportunity for your prospect to start walking across to a better side of the, the, the hill. And this term, it's what you're getting from an outcome of this exchange, in this case, the sale. So Right. When the, the person then walks over that bridge, they will then have to go back and they're not going to be like, oh, let's see that bridge first. Does it have everything I need? Is it made of the right materials? Is it you know super, super supportive? They're looking to just get across the bridge. Now, afterwards, what if I want to throw somebody over the bridge that just isn't isn't uh, reachable? Because those people certainly exist as well. But yeah, uh, those are the those are the people you say just don't waste your energy. Exactly. On, if that's if that's what you know. But so to use your example from before, when you said um you know, this, have you seen what uh, this person said? And they say, no, you know, I don't believe that. You show them the video. I mean, your first offering of, of trying, your first offering there should be uh, something that is more on the emotional side, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you should be, you should be selecting what you initially present them with that in mind is, is if those, that's what really convinces them. And that's where they're coming from that uh, you need that type of evidence first, right? Correct, yeah, so like think about it this way. Let's talk about inflation, right? If you were to go to someone who is politically, let's just say agnostic, right? They're just kind of living through the world and they see things happening and they know they're happening, but they're not really in touch or in tune with why. So if you were to lead in with a facts and figures mentality of inflation is so bad, you know why? It's because the Federal Reserve has been artificially uh, in inflating and uh, decreasing our interest rates over the past 100 plus years, which actually started back with the, the Federal Reserve and, and the, uh, the Jekyll Island uh, 1913 uh, insanity and, and fast forward 100 plus years. And that's how we got to where we are today. You know, the dollar reserve currency, you start going through all this, they're going to look at you like you have four heads, you're going to see the, you know, the, the, the glaze look come over their eyes. Right. They'll be they're, snoring. They're, yeah, they're, they're checked out the lunch, right? But if you right. lead in with, man, I've been at the grocery store and like, it's getting really hard to to get my groceries and pay for them and be able to feed my family. It, are tell you experiencing you, something like that too? Right. I'll tell you about an I'll tell you about an incident. Uh, so I have a brother who's um, you know on the left side, and he also has a bed and breakfast or a uh, uh, Airbnb. And um, he is one of the most supportive people, by the way, of me doing what I do here, which I really give him a lot of credit for. But he was complaining about the city regulations as far as the Airbnb and about the the costs involved, and my 
response was, welcome to the Republican Party. And that didn't seem to go over real well. But, but uh, you know, so I think that you're right. You're making a great point is, you know, what finding out what affects them and from an emotional standpoint as well. And uh, so my next question is, what do we what do we care about the most in our families? Well, the answer should be simple as if you have children, it's going to be the children. So in this case, we have our children going to schools, especially universities that pollute their minds with a bunch of garbage about, you know, all these unicorns that fart rainbows and we're going to live in this utopia, right? That, you know, just because communism, communism has killed a hundred million people before and it always ends up with genocide of the ma of some mass population. Well, we're going to try it again and we're going to do it right because we're the generation that really understands and gets it. And um, so those people, are, I think, are the most concerning for, for people, for parents, because it's heartbreaking to have your kid come home from college and see the change that is that has been... Um, hoisted upon them with no life experience whatsoever yep. to draw a decision from. So how do, how do you address the children? Well, first, we have to understand how we got here, right? And and that is sometimes the hardest part because you have to unwind this this massively you know wound up web of just government nonsense to get to now what we have is basically uh, government indoctrination centers masquerading as private college universities. But how does this work, right? So when you have um, all these these student loans being funded and supported by the, the government, the federal government, and then student mm -hmm. loan interest rates being set by the government. And oh, by the way, all these loans are guaranteed and backed by the government. So all of a sudden you have an entire uh, entire consumer base. I'm going to use that very, very loosely um, of, of potential college students who can get crazy, crazy loans that would be equal to that of a mortgage, more or less, to go to some liberal indoctrination factory where the college has no real concerns about the, the student not paying the bill because it's backed. It's backed by the, the federal government. So what happens? The, the, the college really doesn't care about the the response or the, uh, the, the reactions from people more on the political right because what are they going to do, right? You're going to take your dollars away. We got our dollars from the federal government. So we're going to keep doing what we're doing. So it starts out if you are a parent and you have a kid who's around you know, the age where they're going to get ready to go to the next step in life, I would say have a strong and, and real conversation with your kid about is college the, the best next step for you? And it might not be. As a matter of fact, it probably isn't, right? I look at my myself. I'm doing great in my life. I, I didn't need my college degree. I got a degree in political science. Woohoo! That's great. I've used it a total zero times in my day job. Um, but like I could have easily gone into the workforce as, you know, a, a an assistant or an apprentice or something like that in the world of, of sales, in the world of business, and got 10x the amount of information and knowledge from that like boots on the ground experience than I did sitting in a classroom learning about, you know, some crazy gender studies uh, course, right? Yeah, but, right. And, and really quick, just the, the second part of that is if you did go to one of these institutions back when maybe they weren't as crazy, pull your dollars, stop stop funding them, right? So yes, mm -hmm. they, they do get the government funding, but they also get the funding from alumni. And, and in many instances, that is what keeps the buildings pretty, keeps the salaries going. So if all of a sudden, much like what's happening in UPenn right now, where all of these uh, these uh, board members are saying, whoa, college president can't just look and say that Jewish genocide is bad. And there is uh, air quotes on context. What? 
all of a sudden that's that's <laughs> raising a big red a red flag and it's changing the dialogue a little bit and it might change a little bit of the way that the college looks at some of these issues however it, don't don't just you know blow smoke act on it if they continue to to promote this nonsense pull your funding pull your dollars stop sending your your money to these these indoctrination camps it's it's only pumping out more leftist ideology yeah and it's not doing anybody any good and it's destroying our country and you know the, there's no such no better thing than practical experience in i think it was, it was ronald reagan who had a quote he said uh if you're in your 20s and you're not a liberal, you have no heart. If you're in, in your 40s and you're not a conservative, you have, have no, no brain. brain. And there, there's a lot of truth to that, again, coming from the argument from a factual standpoint and stuff. you know. But um, I want to talk about something else, too, quickly, and that is that the there's a, there's a history of, over the course of time, generations pushing the... Um, pushing the I'm not going to conform banner further and further down the road, right? So I'll give you an example. In uh, my mom's generation, you know, p parents were in an uproar about Elvis Presley <laughs> dancing on stage. In my generation, people thought that the music I liked was satanic. And in today's generation, they talk about it's okay to abort a baby 28 days de after delivery. I mean, it's there is such a thing as a slippery slope, right? And there is such a thing as, you know, we've gotten way too far away from our Judeo-Christian value set that whether you want to believe it or not is what this country was founded on. And that's a whole nother argument. And that argument, especially with kids, is, um, you know, is one that in a way, I think that the the um, the failure to comply, the non-compliance may be a good thing because we see, for example, the number of people joining churches increasing, and those those people are generally younger people today. So it just seems like society kind of um, it kind of reacts and maybe goes overboard in one direction, then comes back and goes overboard in that direction. And you know, what is, what are your thoughts on that whole topic? Yeah, well, what are we talking about here, right? Elvis, satanic music, abortion. This is culture, right? This is all cultural right. issues. And going back to the late, great Andrew Breitbart's truism, politics is downstream from culture. So how do we impact the culture? You don't do it by facts and figuring people to death. You do it by doing what we talked about earlier, meeting them where they're at on the issues they care about, lead with emotion, and and help build the culture, right? Bring people in, emotionally get them attached, and build something different. Build build a better means of of living our our values. Don't just talk about our values and say why we're right. Live by our values and show people why they're right. I was tired, so I lived in Philadelphia for seven years during the the insanity of COVID, and uh, it got to the point. You. Yeah, it was awful. It was awful. Absolutely awful. And uh, I got to the point where I was like, you know what? I've been sitting here on the show for the past year saying like, hey, if you're in a big blue city, you got to move. And yet I'm living in a big blue city. You know what? It's time to move. And I moved. I moved to Indiana and I am infinitely happier, not just from the way that we are dealing with the COVID nonsense, but also now being around people who actually like support my values, support me as a human right. being, don't look at me as the enemy. Right. So it's important for us kind of twofold. First, address the culture where you have the most impact, right? So if you're in a big blue city, I'm just going to level with you. Chances are you're not going to convince an 80% Democrat electorate that 
like heartbeat ban or heartbeat bills for abortion bans is the right way to go. Why? Because they are so far down this rabbit hole and they have the, the right. echo chamber of 80% of their, their city telling them that they are right. Good luck. But if you go to an area you, where maybe the, the conversation is more middle ground or more right leaning, that conversation and, and leading that, that cultural conversation from a right leaning perspective is going to have a lot more traction, especially if you do so through the emotional rhetoric we were talking about earlier. So right. looking at, you know, across the board, whether it's Elvis, satanic music, abortion, uh, transing kids, all this stuff that's been happening over the past 50, 60, 70 years. And yes, slippery meets slope. It has absolutely mm -hmm. led to, you know, where we are today and, and kind of having the standards so low. It is a cultural uh, conversation and a cultural problem, and yet you you hit the nail on the head, Jeff, because we are responding in kind to the the lack of culture by building better culture right now in other avenues. You mentioned traditional uh, Christian values starting to see a resurgence as more people are starting to head back to church. We're seeing millennials, believe it or not, and Gen Z right. starting to embrace more traditional ideas and traditional ways right. – of doing things, they're starting to admit that maybe the the um the the simpli not simplicity but the uh the ease of our everyday life. The well, I think they're just dis they're discovering that you know, and even in those big blue cities like New York and Chicago, now they're discovering that they got some of their wishes, and all of a sudden they can't pay for it. And or they're know, realizing so the real implications of those wishes. Like, yeah, right. Yeah, sanctuary cities like Chicago, right, right, Philadelphia, New right. York. It's like, oh, you wanted to right. be a sanctuary city? Okay, you're gonna get it good and hard. Right. You have time for one more sure um, yep. block here. I'm going to take another break real quick here and we'll be back in about three minutes. Cool. Hey, Patriots, it's Jeff Wagner. Let's face it, it's getting harder and harder to make ends meet. It's only going to get worse. This inflation is going to continue. As a matter of fact, our dollar is in jeopardy of even existing with the crazies that want to go to the digital currency to control us all. You can go to Kirk Elliott, PhD dot com slash the Patriot Review. Get all kinds of free, great information and invest in gold and silver for your future. Our world is full of electromagnetic fields that even though we can't see them are affecting our bodies, our sleep, and even our ability to think clearly. The advent of 5G is only making this worse. There is an answer. Visit Fix the World by clicking the link in the Patriot Review show description below to view natural products that can actually protect you from EMF and 5G and even improve your sleep. Skeptical? Get the free Dangers of EMF Radiation ebook free by clicking on its direct link also in the show description. Here's a nutritional hack anyone can master. Replace a meal a day with our kingdom feel. Or if you're a moth in the gym, Add a shake to your daily meal plan. Our unique meal shakes are balanced, low glycemic, rich in fiber, 20 grams of clean protein, essential vitamins and minerals, healthy fat, and organic fruits and vegetables. Kingdom Fuel is vegan with a complete amino acid profile. Bottom line, it's a simple start to a transformed life. No gimmicks, just results. Start today. Hey, Patriots, you can save up to 66% at MyPillow.com when you use the code TPR. That stands for The Patriot Review. That's TPR or call 800-519-9927. That's 800-519-9927. I use these products myself. I can tell you they are the best quality bar none. 
So go ahead, use the code TPR and get up to 66% off right now. Coming to you from the land of common sense and American pride. Not a unicorn or rainbow in sight. Welcome back to the Patriot Review with Jeff Wagner. All right, we are back with Brian Nichols. The website is briannicholsshow.com. briannicholsshow.com. We are discussing the whole idea of actually having civil and meaningful and purposeful and hopefully beneficial conversations with friends and family about uh, politics and uh, basically anything that's important to you and close to your heart. So, Brian, welcome back. Thanks again for being here. Absolutely. I enjoyed uh, our discussion, and it's already close to the end of the show. Time goes so fast sure when you does. have something. Yeah, you, it does. In um, I want to tell you that you don't have a choice. I always say to people, if you're on my show, you become a friend of mine. Love it. So you, you unfortunately are, are drawn into the pool of friends that I have. And I sincerely mean, you know, my story just is that I was diagnosed with a disability. I have a chronic pain condition. And that's what led me to do this. And I went to a conference uh, Mike Lindell had, and there were 1,200 content creators. And almost everybody said that they believe that what they're doing was a calling because something changed in their life drastically to put them in this position. And um, so it's, it's interesting to me that it seems that this this uh, online media is really destroying the mainstream media, thank God. But um, part of the reason is that uh, is that the mainstream media, it inflames exactly what we're talking about. It uh, is propaganda that is purposely meant to divide. And um, I wanted to ask you, given your, your experience in this topic, what are the two or three uh, hot topics, if you will, if they exist, that seem to be common among the, the family arguments and issues family arguments and issues um so if we're going from the argument route it, it's usually going to be something that's going to be topical in the news and that it's highly uh highly polarized right so uh, i mean <laughs> i'm sure everybody has some type of an iteration of a hamas uh israel conversation uh -huh. i'm sure sure people had a conversation about um, whether it was the GOP primaries, how much they love or hate Vivek, how much they love or hate Ron DeSantis, how much they love or hate Nikki Haley, Chris Christie's there. Um, it was probably you know something with regards to how much do do we love Biden, how much do we hate Biden? Oh, is Hunter Biden gonna get uh, indicted? All those things. Um, Biden's mental health, Russia, Ukraine. So it's going to be the polarizing issues, right? The issues that if you turn on CNN and then you turn on Fox News, it's leading both of those channels. And uh, my old political science professor here, I guess I can take something back. I, I did learn some stuff from him. Uh, and I, I say that tongue in cheek. He's a great personal friend as well. Um, but he used to say, you know, when, when you turn on the TV, it starts out, the evening news, it starts out by saying, good evening, and then proceeds for the next half hour to tell you why it's not. And that's intentional because they want to get you mad. They want to get you frustrated. They want to get you anxious mm -hmm. because when you're frustrated, when you're anxious, and yes, when you're mad, you're not thinking clearly. And you're willing to, instead of using the, the stuff that we on the right side of the aisle like to use, the emotional or the, the logic, the facts, the figures, the reason, 
you will instinctually be more uh, keen on using that emotional uh, avenue and, and going down that route. Now, while that is how we make buying decisions, if that is the only thing you're thinking of, then it's much more dangerous because you can you can weaponize emotions. And the two emotions that we see right. weaponized the most are love, but fear. Fear is the number one emotion that politicians, candidates, businesses, family, they will use all the time to manipulate people's decision making. It's, oh, well, what happens if you know you you do the wrong thing? And then, oh my gosh, the worst case scenario happens, right? It happens time and again. So what we do is we instinctually go back to our bubble. We go back to our tribe where we feel safe. And that's instinctual and, and it makes sense. But if if we lead then us in, in the, the world of trying to sell our ideas, with those polarizing issues as the way they're presented on on TV, we're going to get feedback the much the same that the TV channel is looking to get back. Fear, anxiety. But if we lead with the problem and start talking about ideas to help solve said problem, instead of the dichotomy of left, right, good, bad, and actually have a dialogue, it'll be much more conducive to a productive conversation. You know, I think there's one other hurdle that the, the people on the right have, and that is that we tend to believe that there is there's evil in this world, that it is always going to be in this world as long as we're on this world, and that uh, the, that we have to address that evil in our daily lives, where I think some of the folks on the left, and maybe not all of them, but some of the folks on the left don't see the picture that way. They see that yeah, there may be evil people, but we can all coexist. We can come together. We can sing kumbaya. We can, you know, where we, where we just, we don't, where I think we're more um, rightfully skeptical because, uh, as I, as I said in one of my posts uh, yesterday, it's like you can take the man out of nature. You can build our homes, our cars. You can build the things that take us out of nature and protect us, but you can't take the nature out of the man. You've got people like Soros who brags about outing his neighbors to the Nazis, right? You got people like that, that they're just, they're just evil. So, so I think that's a hurdle that I think we could do a whole show on maybe in a, in a future episode. But my last question that I really wanted to get to, and I only have about uh, three minutes is the closing of the deal, the art of the closing of the deal. So you've got people now, uh, you've got somebody that you've shown, you've made a good argument, towards you've shown the facts you've hit the emotional cues that you needed to hit and you you have them coming coming down your road and coming towards what i would call enlightenment right but um but at the same time you know that what they're going to do is they're going to go back to their facebook page they're going to get all <laughs> inflamed because this someone's going to post something um so what do you do? What do you do to close the deal in, in your family, in your relationships with whoever you're talking to? So first, I think it's important to understand that you might not get somebody to say, you know what, Jeff, you're right, right? Like sitting at the dinner table and giving you that instant gratification that you change their mind, right? We And we have to be okay with that. Just I'm on, I'm on a level starting out right now. You will make a sale that you don't realize you made at that dinner table because you don't see the results of that sale being made until maybe six months. Heck, it could be six years, right? But you planted that seed and you help them see things that they couldn't unsee. So that's that's just a start out. But to kind of get people down the road, right, to to where we want to bring them, I like to use the does this make sense mentality, right? Because if you can if you can phrase that at the end of your your kind of your your, your pitch, does this make sense? And they say no, you can say, oh, 
what, what don't what, what did I not explain clearly or where did I maybe miss the mark? And you can help right. figure out where it's not connecting on their end. Right. But also you then have a, 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 a an objective touch point to look back to and say, OK, we're moving forward. They say, yes, this makes sense. Great. Now I can go to the next step and I can start to build more upon that. But if you build a house on a sand foundation, the house will collapse regardless of how great the materials are when you're at the top of the house. So we have to do a good job of building that foundation, making sure they right. see the connection and just simply asking, does this make sense? You know, one other thing we could talk about in, in another uh, episode is that I had this boss who was the master of using questions mm. to bring people around to his way of thinking socratic selling jeff it's the best it's one of the best ways to get people to open up like a book yeah he was awesome at it i'm not nearly as good as at it as what he was but uh uh, that was an amazing lesson for me in the corporate world and and one that was important for me i think so well brian we're out of time i do i would really do uh welcome you back anytime so if you have something something you want to talk about go over promote whatever um you're always welcome here and thank you so much sir for your time Give us your social media details for people who want to find you. Absolutely, Jeff. Thank you again. And uh, for folks who want to continue the conversation, I am on X.com. You can find me at B Nichols Liberty. Um, and also for the Brian Nichols Show, I can be found everywhere. Your YouTubes, your Rumble, your your X.com. We're uploading the entire episodes there. And then wherever you get your podcasts, uh, we have the video version air in uh, the audio format there. So YouTube Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all I ask. Hit that subscribe button, little notification bell, and of course, let me know that you heard me over here uh, on Jeff's show. Would love to uh, to connect and obviously build the, uh, the the future that we're trying to build here going forward. So thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate the awesome. time today. Well, you're very, very welcome. Thank you so much. I hope to see you again soon. God bless you. Have an awesome weekend, Brian. Likewise, my man. You too. Thanks again. <laughs> you're welcome. Bye-bye. See ya. Awesome guest. Awesome guest. That was fun. like to uh, have folks on him, like him with the energy that he has which is great. I want to um, close out the show now just by saying thank you for being here. You are awesome viewers, and I really appreciate all of you more than what you know. And I hope you, you as well have a great weekend. God bless you all. We will see you on Monday.